Well, hey, thanks a lot. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. And uh, I'm guessing that probably my last name sounds familiar to a lot of you uh, because my dad, Dan Seaborn, I've been working with him since 2011. And every time I'm at a church for the first time, I have a few people come up and they're asking me about my dad. And one of the first times I ever preached somewhere in the West Michigan area, somebody came up to me and said, oh, I saw the, the name Seaborn on the flyer, and I was hoping it was going to be your dad. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and to make it worse, this was someone that I knew, that I thought <laughs> liked me. So if that's you this morning, I'm really sorry to disappoint you. I'm Alan. Um, my, my wife, Annalise, and I are here, and we're so excited to be worshiping with you this morning, and I'm excited to be sharing and wrapping up this series on Connected. Want to let you know that Annalise and I live uh, right here in Holland. We actually are 17th in Pine, so we pretty much had a straight shot right up river to get here today. And we are both part of a ministry based out of Zealand called Winning at Home. And if you know where the Burger King is on Chicago Drive, that's the landmark everybody knows. We're on the same side of Chicago Drive, just across State Street. And right in there, we have, I think it's, it, the number feels like it's always growing, but I think it's 18 counselors on site that see kids, that see couples, that see teens, that see individuals. And I just want to let everyone here know that if you're in the middle of something in life right now, if like what Jesse was saying earlier, if you're in the midst of something and you don't really see the way forward. You're trusting God, absolutely, but you don't know the next practical steps to take. I would really encourage you to get in touch with Winning at Home because the reason our counselors are there and the reason we have to keep hiring more and more people is because there are a lot of people in Holland and Zealand and the surrounding area that are in the midst of something. And if you're right there, we don't want you to feel alone. Annalise and I see a counselor together there, and we both see a counselor on our own. And it's made such a huge impact in our lives individually and in our relationship together to just have someone to talk through about some of the stuff, the day-in, day-out life stuff that sometimes gets us stuck. And so I want to let you know if, if that's something that you're interested in, come and talk to me afterwards, talk to Jesse or Madi afterwards, and we can get you connected into Winning at Home and into some counseling. So I'm wrapping up this series on Connected. And I know that two weeks ago, Jesse and Madi talked about relationships. And I was giving them a hard time this morning because Jesse told me, hey, Madi and I team taught about relationships. And I went and I watched the video and I was like, dude, you were just sitting there. Madi, you know, I was like, she did the whole thing. So if I'm kind of running out of steam, I told Maddie, I'm just going to call her up here and we'll see what happens. So, uh, so two weeks ago, they talked about why it's important to stay connected in relationship. The importance of having people in our lives that when we can't or we don't want to follow after what God's leading us into, the people around us can push us in the right direction and remind us to do the thing that we believe and that we value. What I'm going to talk about 
instead of the why of relationship, like they talked about, I'm going to talk about the how do we stay connected. And so I'm going to be talking about staying connected to each other and the practical way that that plays out. So we're going to look this morning at just one verse from the book of James. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 19. And for those of you who are familiar with the book of James, this is sometimes called the book of practical faith or the book of practical wisdom. It's only five chapters. It's a really short book. But every single one of those chapters is packed full of practical life action steps that if we want to look more and more and more like Jesus, we follow, like I say, we're looking at just one verse today. If you want to see a whole bunch more practical stuff of what it looks like to stay connected, just like the, the theme for the whole series, that he is the vine and we are the branches, to live that out, you can take a look through the book of James and you're going to find some really, really practical stuff, ways that our faith translates into action. So we're going to talk about how to stay connected. And I'm just going to read the verse first and then we're going to go down and look at some of the things that are, uh, that are jumping out at us as we look at this verse. So James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now I want you just to think about that for a moment. Because realistically, what we're going to be talking about here this morning, it's not something brand new. It's not something that you're going to be sitting here and going, wow, I never thought about that before. I never knew I was supposed to be like this. This is a reminder of something that we already know of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But just because it's really a simple idea doesn't mean that it's easy to practice, right? And so I want to share from my own life where I haven't done these things well and where it's hard to stay connected with people if you're not practicing what James is talking about here. So we're going to look at kind of four components of this verse, and they're going to be highlighted up on the screen. The first thing that really jumps out after James kind of starts it, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. He uses this word, everyone. And so I want to let you know that there's no loopholes here, right? If you're somebody like me, my wife doesn't really like to play board games with me or other stuff like that because I, I do not cheat, <laughs> but I'm really good at finding loopholes, right? If I wasn't called into ministry, I think I would have made a really good lawyer because I can read exactly the rules and go, I'm doing everything it says technically. <laughs> There's no loophole here. This does not say everyone who is young should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It doesn't say everyone who doesn't know what they're talking about should be quick to listen. It doesn't say everyone who doesn't have this level of education should be quick to listen. It says everyone. 
every single one of us needs to put this into practice. And if we're honest, we know that if we actually lived like this, it would make every single relationship in our lives better. It would make our relationship with our kids or our parents better. It would make our relationship with our husband or our wife or our boyfriend or our girlfriend. It would make our relationship with our boss, coworkers, our classmates, our neighbors. If we looked like this, every single relationship would be better. And so what we're talking about here applies to, like James says, everyone. And he says, everyone should be quick to listen. Now, when I think of that little three-word phrase there, quick to listen, I think about the difference between hearing something and listening to something, right? And I'm guessing that we've all heard this idea before that hearing, it sort of happens involuntarily. We can hear things on accident, right? It's just, if there's noise around me and I don't have earplugs in and my hearing is, is at a healthy level, I notice what's happening. But that doesn't mean that I'm listening. It doesn't mean that I'm actively engaged and paying attention. And I can't tell you, this is unfortunate, but I can't tell you how many times in my life I've met someone new, I shake their hand, I say my name, they say their name, I walk away and 10 seconds later, I couldn't for the life of me tell you what their name was, right? I heard it, it came in my ears and it went in my brain, but I don't know where it went. Because I wasn't listening. I heard, but I didn't listen. And like I mentioned, the ministry that I'm a part of, we have a bunch of counselors on site. And my office is right next door to one of our counselors. I share kind of a break room, so when I'm grabbing lunch or grabbing a cup of coffee, I'll connect with our counselors. And it's really good for me because I get basically little like five-minute counseling sessions for free all the time, you know? So what I'm frustrated about, I can just talk to them. And, and I had a conversation with one of our counselors. It was probably six months ago now. And in the moment, I walked away from this conversation pretty frustrated. But when I thought about it a little bit more, and I really allowed, I think, God to work in my heart, I saw something that really directly applies to this verse. Because I was talking about some situation that I was frustrated about, and I said to this counselor, her name is Mavis, I said, you know, this is what happened, and I'm just really frustrated because that person is just being a jerk. And she said, well, as I hear what you're describing, actually, it sounds like they're scared. And to me, that felt like an excuse, right? So I was like, okay, yeah, they're scared, and so now they're being a jerk right? I'm like, I I gotta, you can't take my legs out from under me. I'm right. They're wrong, okay? And she, she wouldn't go with me on it. She said, yeah, sounds like they're scared. And I walked away gritting my teeth like, sounds like they're a jerk, but, but, you know, and it wasn't like five minutes later. I had to really sit with this. It was maybe a week later, and I was like, wow, that's the difference between hearing and listening, right? Because how many of the miscommunications that we have in our lives 
is I'm, I'm coming from a good place, and the person I'm talking with is coming from a good place, but we're just missing each other. We just can't quite figure out, I can't speak your language for whatever reason, and you can't speak mine, and we walk away, and I'm thinking, man, you're such a jerk, and you're walking away thinking the same thing about me. When we practice listening, which is different than just hearing the words, we find that our relationships, we are staying connected. So you see, right, why James is called the book of practical faith. Because this stuff impacts every single day of every single one of our lives in every single one of our relationships. And he doesn't even stop there. He says everyone should be quick to listen. And then he says slow to speak. Now, for me, I find that really the only time I'm slow to speak is if I don't really have that much interest in what's being said, right? If I have actually a preference or an opinion or an idea that I want to try to convince somebody to think my way, why would I sit back and be slow to speak? i got to get this out there because I've got to change some minds, right? And I want to let you guys know that I think it was in 2014, I deleted my Facebook account, which was amazing, by the way, okay? It was so nice. And then about six months ago, probably, I reactivated it because I was like, okay, I probably should, you know, have a little page about some of my speaking and writing and some of the other stuff I do. And Facebook won't let you have a page like that without having a personal page, okay? So I reactivate my Facebook page after four and a half years of being totally off, like not even knowing what's happening on Facebook. I know that's kind of weird to think, but people can have a life separate from that. And I'm back on it now, and it's, it's really jarring. It's really rough. I've muted so many people in the last six months because nobody, I feel like, is practicing being slow to speak. Because if somebody has a political opinion, that's the obvious one, right? People are horrible to each other. They're coming out of the gate swinging and they are looking for a fight. They're excited to find somebody that disagrees with them because they just want to yell at each other over their phones. But it doesn't just happen there. It happens with the way people are choosing to parent their children. It happens with what sports team I'm cheering for. We are not good at being slow to speak, right? Now, I want you to know I'm not saying, hey, I'm seeing all these other people that are really bad at this. Um, I'm really bad at it too, just not on Facebook. I kind of do my quick to speak stuff in person. And I'm, I tried to think of, I don't know if it's the best example, but it's probably one of the most embarrassing, dumb examples from my life. And I think you'll go, yeah, I've got something like that too. So when I was in college, this would have been, I think, well, this, this was a thing that stretched over a couple of years. So probably 2008, 2009, and maybe a couple of years after I graduated. My brother, he went to the same college as me, and he had a friend who was, uh, he was a little bit shorter than me. He weighed probably 150 pounds. 
and he was not good enough at basketball to make the, the team at our Division three college school, okay? And he believed that if he played Kobe Bryant, I don't know if you don't follow basketball, the Be LeBron James, right, today. In two, yeah, in 2008, he thought he could score in a game of one-on-one -on -one against Kobe Bryant. <laughs> exactly. Laughter is the right response. Thank you. I agree. And so I argued with this guy. Every single time I saw him, I would start it with how ridiculous he was being, thinking he could score. guy that couldn't make a college team at a bad college could score against Kobe Bryant, and he thought if they played make it, take it, he might be able to win. I'm like, dude, you're insane. So I'm sending him YouTube clips of Kobe defending like professional players that can barely dribble up the court. One time, my brother and I were in Indianapolis, and we were at the gas station getting gas, and right in front of me was the starting point guard for the Indiana Pacers, and I went and I interrupted him going about his day. I'm like, dude, can you settle this argument for me? Like, my friend, he's not that good. He thinks he could score against Kobe. So I took this pretty far, as you can see, right? <laughs> this was years of every time I see this guy needling him. I was the whatever the opposite of slow to speak would be, quick to yell, maybe, right? And I'm guessing that about half of the laughter is laughing at how ridiculous what I was doing is. And probably about half of the laughter is you're thinking about some of the ridiculous stuff that you've been doing too. Because it's really hard to practice being slow to speak. And then James goes on to his third point. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, this would flow naturally from these first two, right? If we were really practicing being quick to listen and thinking through from the other person's perspective where they were coming from, what they were trying to communicate, and what they needed out of our relationship, and then if we were being slow to speak ourselves, if we were, instead of jumping in to immediately try to prove our point, make sure everybody knew that we were right, make a big deal about how I know what's happening and I need to tell everybody else around me. Everyone needs to hear the great ideas that are in my head. Then what flows naturally from that is we're slow to become angry. But what often plays out in our lives is the opposite of that, right? And when I think about moments where it's really easy for me to be really angry, to be really frustrated, to be really on edge around the people that I'm around, it's when I'm not practicing those first two things. It's when I feel like I'm really right. I've heard what they're saying, and I know they're wrong, and I'm needing to prove that they're wrong. You see, the reason I've chosen to share about this passage is not because I'm like, hey, I'm perfect at this, and it's so great. You guys should all experience it too. It's because when I read this verse, 
I go, yep, I've got more than some work to do on that. And when I think about needing to practice being slow to become angry, I'm reminded of something that happened uh, over the summer, this past summer, so this is, again, probably six months ago or something like that. About, uh, it's been a year and a half ago now, my wife and I got a little puppy. So his name is Russell, and he is a 10-pound, so he's like this big. He, it's a really dumb name, but he's a Morky Poo, okay? So it's a Maltese, Yorkie, and Poodle mix, and he's a super, super cute dog, but he is insane. So we have to exercise him like dog park almost every day or else he's just ripping circles in our house. Like he's crazy. So one day over the summer, I was out taking him for a walk and he, I don't know, you probably see some nice well-trained dogs that they'll walk right next to the person. He just kind of jets. He's always straining at the end of his leash and like trying to dig away from me, you know, and he's choking himself and all that. This is what a day in the life of taking Russell for a walk is like. And last summer, this is the first dog I've ever owned, taking him for a walk, and I'm kind of trying to learn the ropes of, you know, how you do this. I always pick up after him when he goes to the bathroom and all that. So I'm taking him for a walk, and I was on the phone with Annalise at the time. So I'm holding the phone here, and I'm fighting with Russell here on the leash, and he ran into... There were some trees in this yard that we were walking past, and he ran up into the trees, sniffing around, just kind of checking out what's going on. So I'm fighting with him. I'm on the phone with Annalise. And across, it was probably further than from here to the back door there with the exit sign. This guy walks out his front door, and he yells out, Hey, what are you doing? And I said to Annalise, I'm like, hang on a sec, I, I think someone's yelling at me. So I, you know, and I, I'm like, are you yelling at me? And he goes, well, I, I wouldn't say I'm yelling, but what are you doing? I was like, I'm taking my dog for a walk. And he goes, well, why are you in that lady's yard? I said, I'm, I'm taking my dog for a walk. This is where he wanted to walk, you know? And I'm new to having a dog. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? I don't think so. And so he starts yelling, well, how'd you like it if I brought my dog into your yard, okay? So me and this grown man, we're both grown men, we're yelling at each other from this far away over a little 10-pound dog. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. Bring him on over. He goes, where do you live? I, 17th and Pine, come on. And, uh, and he goes, okay, I will. And I, I walk away, and I get back on the phone with Annalise. I'm like, this crazy dude's coming out of the thing, screaming at me. You know, and she's like, well, yeah, I heard the whole thing, obviously. <laughs> and um, so I walk away from that, and that's six months ago. Still to this day, when I hear that, when I, when I hear the story, when I tell the story, I'm like, yeah, I was totally right, right? That dude is sitting at home somewhere, if he thinks of this, he's going, yeah, I was totally right. You see, when we get angry, when we escalate, when two grown men are yelling at each other 
because one of them is stepping in someone else's, not even his yard, someone else's yard, what in the world are we doing, right? That's an embarrassing story for me and for that guy and for me still caring about what happened in that story, right? And we all know that feeling. Hopefully you haven't had a yelling match with some random person in the last week, but probably someone in here has. And what James is getting at here, he's trying to help us understand what it looks like to stay connected to each other. And when we put into practice being quick to listen, being slow to speak, and being slow to become angry, we watch that every single one of our relationships gets better. Even our relationship with some random guy in his house when I'm walking the dog past, right? Every single relationship in our lives improves if we actually live this stuff out. And like I said at the beginning, this is a simple, I mean, I don't know how many words are in this verse. It's not a whole lot, right? You can read it in 10 seconds. Really simple, really straightforward. Living it out is where the tough part comes in. One of our counselors said recently, knowing the concept is great, but it doesn't bring about change. You have to actually put it into practice. And James is a book all about putting our faith into practice. And so what I want to invite you to do right now, as Jesus plays, I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm guessing that as I was sharing these stories of failure from my own life, as I'm reading through this verse and talking about what it looks like to actually live it out, you've probably had the face of somebody popping up in your mind. You've probably had a situation in your life that you're being reminded of and going, man, I didn't really live life that way. I wasn't doing a really good job of staying connected to the vine in that moment. And I want to give you some time just with you and God. Ask for his help. Surrender that to him. together and we want to take a look at your word learn about who you are God and what you have for us as we live out our faith God we thank you that we can come and hear from your word today and be both challenged and encouraged God as we prepare to later on leave this place we ask that you'll help us to do it. God, not going, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure this stuff out on my own strength. God, but understanding that we want to allow you, by your Holy Spirit, 
to be at work in our lives. God, we want to invite you to change us. And we know that's going to mean surrender. That's going to mean letting go. That's going to mean there are going to be moments where we're sure that we're right. God, but instead of proving that, instead of making a big deal about that, we choose instead to be obedient. God, we pray for your strength as we head home, as we head to work, as we head to school. God, that we'll apply this teaching to all of our relationships and we'll put into practice what it looks like the how to stay connected to each other. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and give it up for Alan.